0: Hello, and welcome to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. In this weekly podcast, you'll be inspired and equipped with the power of God's Word to live an overcoming life. In this week's message, we are going to explore the importance of thankfulness and the powerful role that it plays in bringing hope and healing to a negative world. And now, for this week's message. we to talk about the power of thanksgiving. And being thankful is really, really a powerful way to live. We'll talk about that this morning on how we can operate in the power of that thanksgiving. Uh, I think you'd probably agree with me that we don't naturally give thanks. We have to learn to be thankful. When you grow up, you know, it's easy to complain. You don't ever have to teach your children to complain. They'll, they'll just do that without any training. They'll, they'll complain, you know, it's too hot, it's too cold. And even as adults, you don't have to train people. I, I want to encourage you all to complain this morning. You know, it just, it just happens. But to learn to be thankful, you really have to make a choice to do that. And being thankful is a choice. This mom was training her son to be thankful, and she had a lot of work to do. Her a friend, had, an elderly man, had given her son an orange, and she said, Now, Johnny, what do you say? What do you say to the man? He gave you an orange, and he gave the orange back to the man and said, Peel it. That was his response. And she, I'm sure she scratched her head and said, Oh, man, i got a lot of work to do with Johnny. That's not the response I was looking for. And uh, an attitude of entitlement. And so we want to talk about not entitlement this morning, but thanksgiving so if you have your bibles we're in the book of luke luke chapter 17 we're going to talk about a very familiar story about 10 lepers who jesus heals and one guy comes back and says thanks for that so if you have your bibles go to luke you can find it on your smartphone or if you're doing it the old-fashioned way in the book that's cool too but say with me this morning thank you lord for the book of luke Dr. Luke wrote the book. He also wrote the book of Acts. And uh, so we're going to talk about his work here today. Luke 17, verse 11 to 19. Let's read this passage, and then we'll get into the message. So as we're reading again, uh, on the canvas of your mind, imagine the situation and put yourself in the story. It happened as he went to Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's going to be crucified there. That he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. He entered a certain village. There met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. They're a long way from him, and they lifted up their voices and said, "Jesus, Master, have mercy on us!" Exclamation mark. Now, the way they would have said that would have been a lot louder than that. You know, God's okay with loud. They yelled out, "Jesus, uh, Master, have mercy on us!" Can you imagine ten people doing that? It would sounded something like this: Jesus! Master, have mercy on us. So, man, that's making me kind of nervous. And uh, it made people nervous back there. They were yelling. And they were lepers. The lepers were supposed to keep a hundred paces away from other people. So they're a ways away. And they're yelling out, Jesus, have mercy on us. They had heard something about Jesus. They had heard that he heals. They had heard that there was hope in Jesus. And so they are not ashamed. And they yell out. They cry out to Jesus. It says that he saw them. Likely he approached them, and he said to them, one sentence, very simple, go show yourself to the priests. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God. Again, with a loud voice, he's glorifying God. God's okay with loud. He's okay with quiet. He's also okay with loud. And he fell down on his face, at his feet, giving thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God? To God. They worshiped Jesus. He worshiped Jesus, but he said, give glory to God. It's a great scripture, verifies the deity of Jesus. Give glory to God, except this foreigner, and he said to him, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. It's a great story. We can learn a lot from it. Number one, if you're taking notes, we all start in the same position, afar of off. These lepers were afar off. They had a disease of the skin called leprosy. It's an ugly disease, a terrible disease. You can still find it in some parts of the world. But you and I have a disease as well. Our disease is something called sin. And sin separates us from God. That was a disease of the skin. The other is a disease of the spirit, of the soul. And we stood afar off from God. And while we were far from him, he came toward us. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He reached out to us in our brokenness, in our sickness. He reached out to us and he reached out to these lepers. And then secondly, we all have needs. They had a need, we have a need. And it's important to note that they cried out to God with their need. You know, God actually likes it when we tell him our needs, to the church in Laodicea, in the book of Revelation, he said, I have a problem with you in the church of Laodicea. My problem with you is this. And actually, I'll read the verse. It's not in your notes, but you can look it up later. It says in Revelations 3, 16 and 17, So then, because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's strong language. Because you say, here's what they were saying, I am rich, I have become wealthy, I have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. You think you have need of nothing, but actually you're wretched. And to have an attitude of God, you know what, I really don't need you, is a wretched attitude. And God is honored, really, when we come to Him and say, God, I have a need. Here's my need. And they, they cried out in their honesty, said, God, I need you, and He responded to them. Two things to note when they shared that. One was they shared their need. But secondly, that they did exactly what Jesus said to do. They're ways away from them yet. And they had cried out to their need. And Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. He doesn't say there, go and you're going to be healed on the way. He just says, go and do this. And they're completely obedient to what Jesus has to say. We can learn from these lepers on that is just to be obedient. What Jesus has to do, I'm just going to respond and do it. And they did that. They responded. They just went as they were told. They could have said something like, "Um, Jesus, we heard a lot about you in the past. And, uh, you know, uh, I know you just said to me to go show myself to the priest, but can we do that laying on of hands thing, you know, where you actually lay your hands on me? Can we do that? Or, I once heard it was really cool where you spit in the mud and then you rubbed your finger in it and you put that on the guy's eye. You know, I'd like to try that approach. Could we do that? When I think that would be cooler, be a better story. You know, but how many know we don't get to do that with God? We can't say, God, I, I want you to do it this way because that would make us God and we're not God. He. We just obey him. Amen. And so we learn from these guys. They just said, okay, if you say to go, well, then we're going to go. And they went. And they were healed as they went. And that's significant because sometimes our healing happens immediately. I think that's rarer. Most times healing happens as we're obedient to God's word. As they went, they were healed. Pastor Carl Gustav Severn, pastor from Sweden, I love his message on this because he says God has F-17 healing comes in really fast, and God's healing power is there. But he said, then there's also the tortoise healing. It just seems to take a long time. But you're still healed, so it's all good. And this one, they were healed as they went. And as we're obedient to God, healing comes. And that's what happens to these lepers. Then thirdly, we can only experience complete wholeness when we express our thanks. This is important, because they're all cured, But they're not all made whole. Thanksgiving, folks, is powerful because it affects your entire being. Science is beginning to prove this more and more. There's more studies coming out about the power of Thanksgiving. There is a study done by the University of California in conjunction with the University of Mississippi. And these ladies had had different organ transplants, and they were following what happened after the transplants, how well they healed. And so for a group of the ladies, they said, we want you to keep a gratitude journal. Every day, write down five things you're thankful for. Very simple. And then the group didn't write down what they're thankful for. They found that both of them recovered physically about the same. But those that wrote a gratitude of journal, they found that their happiness, their whole being was much healthier than those who didn't do it. This is the same thing we see here. There's a science behind what Jesus is saying. There's a neat little video that somebody sent me. It's called Soul Pancake, a pancake or your soul, I guess. I thought it was a cool idea, soul pancake. And that's the production of it. And they had come across a study similar to this by another university. And they said, well, we're going to test this out. We're going to try it. So they brought a bunch of people in, they sat them down at a table and they said, we want you to write down things you're thankful for in a person who had a great influence in your life. It could be your mom, it could be a teacher, a coach. You just write down why you're thankful for them. And so you can see the people, they're on camera and they're kind of struggling with it and they're, and they're being very transparent, writing down what they're thankful for. And, and they measured different measurements and they found that their overall happiness increased. They're better for it. But then they went back to them and said, we want you to do one other thing. Now we want you to phone that person and read what you wrote about them. They didn't know that at the beginning. So they give them the phone and say, okay, now call that person. Very powerful to watch because they're calling and one guy calls his mom, and his mom says, is everything okay? Why are you calling me? Like, it's, it's a different time zone, and what are you doing calling me? Well, mom, I just called to tell you this. She starts, what are you, where are you going with this? Why, what, who puts you up to this? Well, I'm on camera. It's part of this experiment that I'm supposed to tell you. And, and he started to break down. His mom's breaking down and have all these people. And they're calling others, and they're expressing their gratitude. Because thanksgiving is giving thanks. You can't just think thanks. You have to give thanks. And they're, they're giving it away. They're giving thanks to these people. Then they notice an incredible difference between somebody who just wrote it and somebody who said it, who expressed it to that person. And maybe this Thanksgiving Sunday, we obviously think about thanking God, but maybe there's somebody in your life that you can say thank you to today as well. It changed them. It brought a wholeness to their being. And Jesus is marking something. The guys who went and got healed, that's cool. But the one who came back was made whole. And we'll cover that more in just a bit. But again, we can only experience complete wholeness when we express our thanks. And we, of course, see that in Luke 17, verse 15. Why didn't the Samaritan return and the others didn't come back? That's a good question. Uh, And I don't know if I have all the answers to that, but I'll give you a few of the reasons why I think the Samaritan returned to thank God and the others didn't. Um, I think perhaps the others didn't return because maybe they were thinking, you know what? I was actually starting to feel pretty good as it was before Jesus said that. I don't know if that was him or not. Or maybe they were thinking... You know what? I haven't seen my family for a long time. I haven't kissed my children for 10 years or I haven't seen my mom, my dad, my friends. And I'll probably bump into Jesus somewhere along the way. I'll thank him later. I just got to run home and see my friends and family. The Samaritan came back. Despite all that, he came back to thank our Lord. Why don't we stop and thank God? That'd be a question for us to reflect on today. Let me give you a couple of reasons. One... Affluence, if you're taking notes and filling in the blanks, the word is affluence. The Samaritan did not get so wrapped up in the blessing that he forgot the blessor. And we can get so wrapped up in what we can get from God that we don't stop to give to God. I Well, so what can I give God? He has everything. We give him thanks. The Bible makes it clear that we're to enter his presence with, somebody help me, thanksgiving. Paul said, when he prayed for him, I constantly thank God for you. The Bible is filled with examples where they thank God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's a, again, this thankfulness is the key. It's the thing that opens up the door. We, we start with thanksgiving. And I think in our culture, where we have affluence, it can be harder to be thankful. When we were in Nepal, we went to this home and we had church in a home and uh, the the people had gathered there and it was on the upper part of the their mountains we think our mountains are pretty big i thought they're pretty big until i went to nepal and then like whistler is a foothills and then after that you have the mountains the himalayas just are they're so massive and uh, so we went and we met in these people's home it'd be like on the top of grouse mountain so this is this is where their home was and we met there and it's, it's, it's a shack, folks. It was poverty. And uh, the ladies had to get water for their families every day. No running water. So you know where they got their water? At the bottom of the mountain. It's like doing the grouse grind every day. You do the grouse grind for your water. They walk down to the mountain, get the water, bring it all the way back up. I mean, they're pretty fit. They're doing the grouse grind every day with water on their back. And, uh, and they're in this home. And we walked in. And I see all this poverty. I thought, oh, boy, I really feel for these people. And I'm, I'm kind of expecting it to be a downer going in there. But you would have given a thousand dollars to be there. It's better than a good movie, a good hockey game, whatever. They were so full of joy. They were so thankful. The aroma in that room was wow, I just want to stay here. This is so rich. They were they they were so thankful. And I looked around, it wasn't because they had a flat screen TV, it wasn't because they had the latest carpet or latest paintings or any of that. They didn't have anything but they are just so thankful, worshiping God. Nobody came late for the worship service. They were all there. They were like, yeah, we get to worship, and just tears in their eyes. They are so thankful. And I think sometimes in our affluence, we can kind of slip back in our thankfulness. Oh, I need one more thing. Oh, what can I get from God? The Samaritan came back. It wasn't what he could get. is what he could give. I think even as we come to church... You know, well, I, and we're, the service is well in progress, but, you know, if, if we're stuck in traffic or, you know, the, or couldn't get our kids ready or something, we understand that. But for somebody to habitually come after worship and just slip in, well, I, I don't do the worship part, I just want to come get the message. Can I be really transparent with you today as pastor? There's something wrong with that picture. I think when we come to God, well, I don't like the music. It's too loud, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too this, it's too that. I think that that kind of a spirit will, will quench, it will close God working in your life. It's good to come into his presence with thanksgiving. Good to come into his place with praise. Oh, when sinners are there, I want to be there to thank God. Do we we think about that when we come to church? Or we think about, oh, I want to come to church because I want to meet a friend. I want to come to church because I want to hear a word. I want to come to. I think one of the reasons, one of the top priorities, we want to come to church is I want to come in a corporate setting and thank God whether we're on the top of a mountain in Nepal in poverty or whether we're living in affluence in the heart of Vancouver. Beside the Trump Tower and the Shangri-La, I think it would be incredible for every Sunday, incredible Thanksgiving going up to God in the heart of the city. I think God would go, wow, they get it. And I think, honestly, in Nepal, they have to struggle through things. And one of our struggle as Canadians is we are so blessed, we've got to push past that. And be like this Samaritan who ran back and he had his face on the ground before Jesus, saying, Thank you, Jesus, thank you. He wasn't embarrassed. He had people all around him. So I don't know if I'd want to do that in public. This is a, there's something freeing about being thankful. And so it's powerful. We'll get into it a little bit more as we go along here. Number one is affluence. Number two, pride. I think sometimes we hesitate to give God thanks because of pride. Somehow we think we've earned all the things we've received. No, it was my work. It was my sweat. I worked. I got the money. I got the job. I, I did it. But who gave you the strength? Who gave you the breath? Who gave you the opportunity? Where? Who did that come from? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. And so we give him thanks for it. And in our culture, that's kind of counterculture. The Simpsons is a, you know, this comedy show on TV that kind of depicts the culture of the day. And and, uh, in one episode, the dad asks Bart to give thanks before the meal. Now, don't pray this prayer. This is not a prayer you pray, okay? This is how not to pray. And here's how Bart prays. He says, Dear God, we paid for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. What a terrible prayer. But it can represent the culture of our day. Hey, I work for it. It's, you know, it's it's mine. And it's not just today. It's been in the past. There's a great preacher by the name of Ironside. He's a Canadian preacher, born in Toronto, and he died in the 50s, but he traveled all over the world preaching, a great preacher, was with D.L. Moody and other great men, and, and a powerful man of God. And one day he was in this restaurant, busy, busy restaurant at lunchtime, sits down, has his meal, and there's a seat beside him, and it's so full that another guy gets his meal. He just sits down beside him and says, Hey, can I join you? And he says, Sure. And he sits down there, and, and Dr. Ironside gets his, his food, and he bows and thanks God for the food. And the man looks at him and says, What's the matter with you? You got a headache? He goes, No, no, I don't have a headache. He's, Something wrong with your food? He goes, No, there's nothing wrong with my food. He said, well, what were you doing? He said, I was giving thanks for it. He goes, oh, you're one of those. He said, I work for everything I've got. I don't have to give thanks to anybody. I just jump in and eat. And Dr. Ironside thought for a moment. He goes, yeah, so does my dog. He just jumps in and eats. (laughs) That was Dr. Ironside. I'm not recommending that response, but (laughs) it seemed to work for him at the moment. Uh, affluence, pride would stop us. Another thing that, oh, by the way, uh, it, it can be habitual. Number three is habit. We can just become, we can get a habit of grumbling and complaining. It can be literally habitual and also contagious and addictive. I give you a verse there, Romans chapter 121. Pick up your notes if you can and just look at this verse. It says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, Nor were thankful. They weren't thankful. But became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. An unthankfulness actually will darken your spirit. The opposite is true. A thankful heart brings light to your spirit. Again, it's very easy to complain. You don't have to learn how to complain. And I, as even just preparing for this message, I've just found myself... We're driving out to Pitt Meadows today, and and, uh, if you've driven out that interest by just before the Portman Bridge, it seems like every week they put a new new twist on it. And uh, and we're driving along this week, it's changed again, and I'm going, oh, you know, why don't they ever get this thing straightened out? I'm going, wait a minute, that sounds like complaining, instead of... Thank you, God, for good roads. Thank you, Lord, for a country that, you know, we, you know some countries, that you don't, we don't have that. I just caught myself. Something so little just kind of came out of my mouth. I was like, oh, oh forgive me, Lord. Thank you for good roads. Thank you for a good car. Thank you for ability to go with my wife today. So, so easy to get caught in that. And we want to be careful that we're not complaining, but we're giving thanks to God. Number three is circumstances. Or number four, circumstances. We can only see the negative in a situation. And because of that, we're not giving thanks. But look at the verse there. 1 Thessalonians 5. Be thankful in all circumstances. Folks, it doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. There's a difference. Be thankful in all circumstances. If I lost my job, I don't have any money in the bank, and I can't pay my bills... I'm not saying thank you, God, that for the situation of being broke. But I'm saying in that situation, I thank you that you will meet all my needs. In this situation, I thank you that I have health to go apply for another job. In this situation, I thank you that I have a life group that's supporting me and praying for me. So there's a difference to being thankful for it or being thankful in it. And this verse says be thankful in, and we can all do that in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Who are being belonged to Christ. Then it says, Don't stifle, don't quench the Holy Spirit. An unthankful heart quenches the Holy Spirit. It changes the spiritual realm around you. Pastor Rick Cimitero and Kathy, they're friends of ours. They've spoken here at the church. He's taken his wife out for this really, really nice dinner. It's their favorite restaurant in Windsor, Ontario. They go to this nice Italian restaurant, Have a romantic evening, great food, dessert, coffee, the whole nine yards, and uh, then the waiter comes, and he gives them the bill. Rick picks up the bill, takes a look at it, and he goes, wow, that's really expensive. Guys, that's all he says. He just says that. He pays the bill, but he looks up at Kathy and notices that her demeanor has changed. And he looks to her as they're going to the car. Is there anything wrong, Kathy? Because she's, oh, no, nothing. Now, guys, you've been there. You've heard that. It's a, and then after that usually comes the silence treatment. There's no conversation. Get in the car. Wasn't that a good meal? Yeah. Uh, boy, I really enjoyed the the steak tonight. Yep. Are you getting ready for bed? Yep. And he's scratching his head. And he's going, man, what did I do? I I know I did something. Guys, maybe you haven't been there, but I've been there quite a few times. Where I go, i got to figure it out. I know I, I, I did something here. And he said, God, what is it? And then it dawned on him. It was his ingratitude. What quenched the mood? What quenched the spirit? What caused Kathy to shut down was he had taken to this nice restaurant, but at the end of it, It was his ingratitude, a little complaint about how expensive it was. And it completely turned her off. Do you think the Holy Spirit could get turned off by our ungratefulness? I think so. When we've been blessed with so much and then we start complaining, it quenches the Holy Spirit. That's literally what this verse says. And everything give thanks. We want the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit to help us, to counsel us. But complaining, murmuring, quenches the spirit. Let's wrap it up. An attitude of thanksgiving affects us in a number of ways. Number one, we've touched this on this already. It affects our entire being. When they went, it says they were cured. There's a different Greek word than when he comes back and he thanks him. And he says, you are saved. The word saved is sozo, S-O-Z-O, which means Every which way whole, soundness of mind, wholeness in your body. It's used interchangeably in the New Testament as healed and saved. It's the same word. And so when this man came back, not only was he healed physically, but his whole soul realm, spiritually. There was a healing that came to him. So being thankful affects your entire being. Number two, it creates an aroma. The word you want to put in is aroma. Around us, others, they can sense that. 2 Corinthians 2.14, now thanks be to God who always, how often? Always leads us in triumph in Christ, always does us. And look at this, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Folks, I don't know if, if you know this or not, but you are a fragrance dispenser. This is uh, glad Potpourri spray, country garden. And uh, you are, this is who you are. You're this dispenser. And when you're thankful, this is what you're doing. You're doing this. Mm, that's pretty good. This is, uh, so this is who we are. We're a dispenser. There's an aroma around us. And you can have an aroma of thankfulness, or you can have an aroma of complaining. Have you ever walked into a room where people were complaining? Just a thought. It's just a thought. It's not even scriptural, but just a thought. Well, I guess it is kind of scriptural because there's a aroma for giving thanks. But what if every time we complain, it stank? It literally smelt. And somebody's complaining to you, you go, whew, did you just complain? Whew! that's nasty. There's something called the fruit of the spirit, right? And when fruit gets rotten, it stinks, right? Or you walk into a room and you, whew, did somebody complain in here? This is really bad. But complaining does smell. Giving thanks does give off an aroma. It really does change the atmosphere. That's why it says there's an aroma. There's a fragrance when we have this Thanksgiving. If you're around somebody who's really complaining, really negative, you kind of see them coming, you go, oh dear, how do I dodge this person? Hey, James, how's it going today? Duh. You're just kind of hoping that they walk around. You even you, you want to miss them. I call them emotional vampires. They just, they latch on you, they just suck the life out of you. And he's like, man, how do I deal with this person? And you're like, and they're their challenge to be with, well, how, how do I deal with an emotional vampire? What do I do? Let me give you a couple of hints as we kind of wrap this up here today. But if you've got an emotional vampire in your life, here's some ways you can help them out. Number one, if somebody's complaining and murmuring a lot, likely they were wounded or they're wounded. That'll just give you compassion for them. Because typically, as you've heard before, and they'll hurt people, hurt people, so they're likely wounded. Secondly, don't connect your sense of worth to their approval, or making them happy. If they're complaining and dumping on you, don't sense. well, if I, if I make them happy, then, then I'll be a good person. Don't, don't make that connection. Number three, don't feed the beasts. Don't enable them. Because sometimes you're, you're in a position to help them. If it's my child, I can speak into their life because I have a position of authority to do that. But oftentimes, I had no position to do that Maybe as a life group leader, I could do that. But oftentimes, I can't do that. I can go and pray for them, but I can't do that. So I have to be careful that I don't feed that or enable them. And then, fourthly, set boundaries or limits, kind limits. If I'm dealing with somebody and they're constantly complaining and murmuring, and I've heard it before, I'll say something like, you know what, I I have five minutes. I just kind of set a limit on my time because I don't want this thing to suck the life out of me. I've got a couple minutes and then I have to go. Or I'll say to them, you know what, you've shared with me this a number of times before. I don't want to go through it all again. Is there any way that I can help you shift your focus from what you're complaining about to what you're thankful for? Have you considered this? So I try to shift their focus and then go back and pray for them. I mean, God loves complainers. Otherwise, he wouldn't have loved us, right? He loves them. He, he loves us in that state. He wants to bring us out of that to a place of thankfulness. So we need to love people as well, and that ultimately will help those individuals. Lastly, number three, of course, when we are thankful, it invites the presence of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, this verse again, rejoice. How often? Always pray without ceasing in everything give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Now, it's a choice because when you're going through it, you don't feel like giving thanks. You feel like going to complaining and murmuring. But if in that moment, if you can just arrest the thought and say, wait a minute, no, I'm going to give thanks. I just take a half a step back and say, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for this. It literally changes the spiritual realm around you. There's a different aroma around you that invites the Holy Spirit to work, invites God's angels to work. And listen to this, it drives the devil nuts. He's just like, what do I do with this? I want them in my camp. My camp is fear, murmuring, and complaining. But as long as I choose to stay thankful, they're staying in the presence of God. When we're thankful, it breaks the power of worry. It breaks the power of self-pity. It breaks the power of jealousy. Jealousy is terrible. Envy is a terrible thing. And when you feel jealousy coming on and envy coming on, just start being thankful. And about 10 minutes later, that thing's going to lift. And you go, it's super powerful. Thankfulness is super powerful. And then it also breaks the power, of course, of a complaining attitude. There is power in being thankful. We don't want to just do a Thanksgiving Sunday, obviously. We want to do this throughout the entire year, being thankful. And of course, and when we look out over our entire life, what we're most thankful for is that we can have an incredible relationship with God, not based on what we've done, but based on what Christ has done for us. So I'm going to invite you today, this Thanksgiving Sunday, just if you could please bow your heads with me. We want to pray a simple prayer as we wrap up here this morning. You might be here today, and you have never opened up your heart and just with a heart of thanksgiving invited the Lord to come into your life. He won't force his way in. He, won't, he is a gentleman. But when we say, Lord, I recognize your love for me. I want to receive that. He enters in our life, and we become one with him. The sin, the darkness, the leprosy of the soul is washed away. As we heard earlier, all have sinned. And fallen short of his glory. We've all sinned. We've all cried out like the lepers. Lord, Master, have mercy on me. And when we're at that place, we recognize we're broken, we're lost. Then he reaches out to us. And his love is poured into our heart. The darkness is washed away. Love replaces it. Light replaces it. And we're made one with him. It's a decision that we make this Thanksgiving Sunday is a day to make that decision. I'll lead you in a simple prayer. We'll all pray it out loud together. encourage you to pray with us today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this Thanksgiving Sunday, I want to thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins that I could have life. Today, I open my heart. I invite you to come into my life. I receive what you did. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. We hope that today's message has inspired you to live a life fully devoted to following Christ. Be sure to check out our website for other ways to watch, listen, or share this message. For more information, go to coastalchurch.org.